You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. I don't know. Lack of dedication. That's what I'm going to say. Good morning and welcome to the scrimmage. I'm Daniel Hargrove. He's not here, Daniel. He's not here. Andrew is here with me, though. I'm Andrew. And we are brought to you today by our sponsors, Oli Penn Real Estate and the Law Office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz. Got some fun stuff to talk to you about today, including some Madden ratings, some Mariners baseball. Antonio Brown. Oh, Yes, that as well. <laughs> so first, let's get it going with the two-minute drill. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hello. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two-minute situation. 44 seconds. Hand the ball to the ref. Gun do it right, gun do it right. Three jet buckeye. Don't worry. Three. The two-minute drill starts now. Daniel, with an overall rating of 97, Russell Wilson is the second-ranked quarterback for Madden 21. Behind 99 overall, Patrick Mahomey. Is this rating accurate? I mean, it's hard to argue because Patrick Mahomes was pretty much amazing the last couple of years, and it's hard to argue against what he's been able to do. Although, Russell Wilson at the 97, that's without him being in the top 10 of their rankings for throw power. You're telling me (laughs) that there's 10 quarterbacks out there who have a better throw power than Russell Wilson? including names like Jacob Eason, Baker Mayfield, and Justin Herbert? Are you kidding me right now? So I'm not sure if he should be ahead of Mahomes, but maybe he should be better than 97. Maybe another 99. Maybe they should both be 99. A LeBron autographed card sold for $1.8 million, which is a record for a modern-day card. What piece of sports memorabilia would you like to have, Andrew? And is any autograph worth spending a crap ton of money for? Uh, I've got more questions for you. Oh, no. Who? <laughs> Why? And no. <laughs> I don't think no is a question. <laughs> no, yeah, two questions and an answer. <laughs> Daniel, is it time to let Kellenic cook? I think so. Might as well. I hate all the arguments against it. I don't think he's the type of guy that will ever have his confidence shaken, and that's really the only reason not to bring someone up too early. I think he is the exact type of personality that I want to see in this shortened season. Let him see what he can do. He's already done really well. I mean, spring training, he started off a little bit slow. He was only hitting 231, but he is known for making great adjustments at every level once he spends a couple of weeks there. And then you look at what he's done in their inter-squad games. He's gotten hits in almost every one of them that he's played in, including going two for three with a walk and two dingers in one of his first ones. (laughs) And he's also got stolen bases. He's got RBIs. The dude is everywhere. I say, how do you keep him from cooking? Let Let him play. Mariners opening day is Friday in Houston against the cheating Astros. Marco Gonzalez is set to start the game and was outspoken about teams knowing what pitches were coming even before the cheating came to light. Andrew, will we see beamed batters and or a brawl for once finally? 
I hope so. <laughs> I, I don't think we will, though. In fact, I have a sneaking suspicion that the entire reason that the Mariners are starting off the season with the Astros is to give the Astros a nice, easy entry. Ooh, hot take. Oops. Where is it? There it is. <laughs> Damn it. Tough job for you today. You're, you're trying to play Justin's role and your normal producer role. Which I struggle with but anyway. <laughs> I, I want to hear, I mean, so you said you had this thought right when that news came out that they were starting off with the Astros. Well, yeah, because remember when when everything was going down after last season and all the news was breaking about banging on trash cans and, and people were talking about it and stuff. Part of that conversation was, are like, do, are they going to get beaned by like every team they play against? <laughs> like, what what's going to happen? The internal, you know, unwritten rules, all that stuff. Baseball enforces itself, all those things. And then, I it wasn't just re- weren't they originally going to be opening against the Astros? Because I, I feel I like so. it was a long time ago that I that I had this thought when they announced the that the Mariners were going to be opening the season against the Astros, and I was like. Oh, nice! You're gonna get. You're gonna. You're gonna let the Astros open the season against the team that like is guaranteed to like not fight with them. <laughs> it's been forever <laughs> since they've had a fight or any real conflict with anybody on the field. So yeah, it's interesting. And the little soft opening at home too. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna send this team from the Pacific Northwest that's not very good and doesn't ever get into fights with anybody. Sure. That'll make things a nice soft landing for and those cheaters. I don't know I don't know what the if there's for sure not gonna be any fans or not, but how great is that for them too? They won't have to deal with like all 70 Houston Seahawks or Mariners fans showing up with trash cans. <laughs> yes. Just banging on them constantly <laughs> and booing every time Altuve comes up or yes. Springer comes up. Yes. Like seriously, this is for for them outside of all of the health ramifications and all of the other stuff which obviously awful. This is about as perfect as it could get coming after a cheating scandal for the Astros as possible. Because even when they do go on the road, no fans, nobody to just berate them with booze constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Lucked out. Or is it a conspiracy? Probably lucked out. Probably. (laughs) So uh, one thing we wanted to get to was some more conversation. I mean, it's been the, the hot topic for the Seahawks. Almost constantly, anywhere you look, it's Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon. And recently, Mike Lombardi came out and had a quote that's been shared around. And it brought up some interesting discussion. And I'm not sure what you think of Mike Lombardi. If you put any weight into what he says at all, because, I don't know, it doesn't seem like he's very close to the situation when you have so many other people who are up in the Northwest or close to the Northwest, or that's their beat talking about this as well. But he said, I hear Seattle is really, 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 ooh, three reallys there, interested (laughs) in Antonio Brown. I think Seattle has dropped the Josh Gordon idea. Maybe they come back to him if they feel like Brown isn't an option, but I think it's Brown, Gordon, and I think maybe Baltimore is in it as well. So 
that's an interesting thing to me because what from everything we've heard, Gordon was almost seemed like as kind of a given. Like they're just waiting for things to kind of settle out. He's staying up in Seattle. He's always talking about Seattle. They seem to love him there. They supported him a ton. I don't see why they would drop Josh Gordon. It's not like he's going to be expensive. Yeah. I I think when I heard Mike Lombardi credited with this quote, I was like, that doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> Who's Mike Lombardi? He has a football last name. So I looked him up. <laughs> and he is a front office person. He's been in several different... Uh, like he he definitely is an inside a uh, football a uh, football front office insider. Yeah, but he does not have any connections, as far as I know, no obvious connections with the Northwest or with the Seahawks organization. And I totally believe that Seattle is not expressing a ton of interest in Josh Gordon, but I think that's because there's no question. Josh Gordon is going to be a Seahawk if and when he is available to play in the NFL right now. He's still indefinitely suspended. So they, and they know they haven't, they know he wants to play there. And I, I honestly will be very surprised if they they do not bring him into the organization as soon as he's eligible. Antonio Brown. I think they are super interested in, but there are so many things that need to be cleared up before he's an option. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot more getting in the way of that than would get in the way of Josh Gordon. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, not only the fact that we know he's going to be suspended, but we don't know how much he's going to be suspended, but he also has multiple open, unresolved allegations of... Terrible thing. Domest- well, <laughs> domestic assault, possibly sexual assault. I don't yeah. it, like there's it, he's I don't know him. He clearly has some personality problems. I don't know if he's actually a horrible person or not, but there are definitely the that question is open. Yeah. Like and and there's no way that the Seahawks are going to bring him into camp if those are ongoing or or like if those aren't fully resolved to their satisfaction yeah and i think some of the discussion that this brought up was would they have to pick just one like that's the thing that i don't get is both of these guys are going to be cheap because of all the stuff going around with them so why would they pick just one like even if they were like oh wow we got antonio brown everything's cleared up he can play why would they then not bring Josh Gordon in like I don't understand that connection because it they're not going to be expensive they're going to be really cheap so it seems like one wouldn't be connected with the other like oh we picked up Josh Gordon sorry we're not going to look into you anymore like that just doesn't make that much sense to me unless for some reason they feel like oh if we get both of them then we wouldn't be able to get one of them the ball or somebody the ball enough. And I guess if you had that thought, maybe. But it seems like you would want to have more talent without being able to use somebody than not enough talent. And, yeah. and then somebody gets hurt or then somebody gets suspended again or then something happens. And you're like, ah, crap. We really wish we would have gotten both of those guys. Yeah. And, and in addition to that, 
because they're going to be cheap. The loss, if they, like, it doesn't work out. Three weeks in, somebody's unhappy. Guess what? Goodbye. Yeah. It's easy. There's nothing invested. So I I don't buy, I, I absolutely don't buy the idea that Seattle has dropped the Josh Gordon idea. Um, but in addition to that, I'm not really sure that I buy the idea that it's an either or. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, I saw this come up and at first I was like, oh, really? And then the more you think about it, it just doesn't make that much sense. Yeah, I it, agree. It really doesn't. And, so, And in addition, it isn't just that we're like from down here thinking that doesn't make sense, but there's multiple sources that are way closer to the Seahawks organization that have been saying roughly what we're saying. John Clayton uh, later this week said that he thought there was an 85% chance that Josh Gordon would be a Seahawk this season. And it was a much lower, like 10 or 15% chance that Antonio Brown, in his opinion, Um, and Brady Henderson, who is, he's a, I believe his, he was still working for ESPN. Yeah. He's still working for ESPN covering, I believe the, the West coast teams or something like that. But he came up, through Seattle media. So yeah. he's he's a very much a local connections and stuff. And he wrote a uh, blog post on Thursday talking about all of the things that are in the way of Antonio Brown uh, signing, like, and laying them all out. And it's... It's lengthy. It, yeah, it is. There's a lot. It's There is a lot of things that have to be resolved before it's even, like, it's even a 1% chance that Seattle uh, actually signs. Antonio Brown. Uh, and on the other hand, I mean, Josh Gordon is still suspended indefinitely, <laughs> yeah. but he's, from what I've heard, he's suspended indefinitely, a lot of which for things that under new CBA agreements and under new rules aren't really there anymore. Yeah. So you would and think he that. Has, he has applied for, to be reinstated. And I believe John Clayton was saying that he expected that decision to be made in the next couple weeks. Ah, that's good news. It really is good news because I, I've been on the side that I want Josh Gordon. I don't really want to deal with the mess of Antonio Brown, and I'm fine with them only getting one because again, I want John Ursua to get a shot to catch some <laughs> balls. Just throwing that out there. I'm gonna bring it up every single time. All right, there's no Justin this week, but that doesn't mean that his favorite part of the show won't still happen. So we're going to come right up to that after commercial break. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. All right, it's time for Stump Daniel. Yes, brought so, to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz, who, right. again, I mean, I love them for sponsoring us, and we know <laughs> we know Jeff and Justin, obviously, same last name there, but maybe using your full, extremely long last name <laughs> for the website there. <laughs> um, so uh, I, uh, I was put in charge of Stumping Daniel this week, and... Okay. And uh, I decided that since Justin's away, I'd give you a nice big softball. 
Ooh. and let you feel smart. I like this, especially after I did well last week. <laughs> but I also uh, may just be preparing to my excuses for when it turns out all of my hints are well-known facts and uh, <laughs> this isn't going to stump anyone. Well, there was well-known facts in the Griffey stump Daniel and uh, that did not go well for me. So That's that's the hope here. Okay. <laughs> so, uh I I'm going uh because I'm not at all a baseball fan fan. Okay. But I I do I follow the Mariners. So I uh I'm going with another edition, an Andrew edition of Name That Mariner. Okay. And I have seven facts about this Mariner. Okay. And one crazy story. Ooh, good. I'm, I'm glad we're getting back to a crazy story. Yeah. I was bummed last week that there wasn't a crazy story to go along <laughs> and with it. So, so I tried to put these in some sort of order, but I have so little insight into what, which is kind of embarrassing to me because you're... You've been my closest friend for <laughs> quite a few years now. I really am not sure which of some of these are you're more likely to know than others. So uh, hopefully I didn't put the most obvious one first. <laughs> and with all of my excuses out of the way. Do I get to guess after each one? Yes. Okay. Because otherwise this is going to be way too short. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to read all of them anyway. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, and first. Do, do, do. There we go. <laughs> this player had originally intended to return to Washington State University, go Cougs, oh. for his senior year, but he agreed to sign with the major league team who drafted him after they promised that he would report directly to the big show. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was kind of amazing because we've been talking about how Kellenic should be able to play. Ah, uh, wow. Well, I know. Oops. <laughs> I think I there's a. All right, I'm gonna guess this guy because I think that I he's from the Northwest. I'm not sure what college he went to or if he went to college because some of these guys go straight out. But uh, Richie Sexton? No. Okay, it's not Richie Sexton. I didn't know he was from the Northwest. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, he's from Washington. Uh, in 1993, his breakout season in the major leagues, this player led the American League in batting average, intentional walks, Whoa. times on base, on base percentage, OPS, and doubles. All of those things? Yes. In 93? Yep. Oh boy. Well, that takes out who I was thinking about before, I think, because... I think John Olerud was a Cougar. So that was actually a top guy on my previous thoughts when you said Washington State. Did you say in the in the first question, did you say return to Washington State? So yes. he already he was intended there? to return to Washington State University for his senior year. So that so he already played there for a few years. Yeah. Okay. Gosh dang it. Wow. Uh in uh, so uh in this this hint, this current hint. Yeah. Uh he led the American League in batting average. Did I say American League? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Um, wow, in 93. Dang, this is... 
This is really tough. Um, Good. <laughs> oh, wow. 93 batting average. American League. Uh, gosh, everybody's... No, I can't guess that guy because I know that's not right. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to... Tony Gwynn never played for the Mariners. Gosh, and he was in the National League. <laughs> well, that's two strikes. <laughs> this is really hard. Um, I, I'm going to pass on that. I have. All no, right. I don't know. I don't have a guess. All right, that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in 1999, this player appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the headline, The Best Infield Ever? Along with his teammates, Edgardo Alfonso, Ray Ordonez, Ordonez, and Robin Ventura. Wow. Um, that was one that I was worried you would know right away, just because I felt like you would probably ha- like have those. Sports Illustrated or something. Well, my brother did get him, but I think he was later when he was starting to get Sports Illustrated. Uh, but that sounds like White Sox infield. I'm not actually sure what team he was on at that point. Robin Ventura. <laughs> oh my gosh. 99. That I mean, Frank Thomas? No, not Frank Thomas. I feel like that was a terrible guess. That was uh Justin would have told me that was a terrible guess. I don't know if these are terrible guesses. <laughs> wow, this is tough. Uh if 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 I if I recognize the name then it can't be a terrible terrible guess, so <laughs> that probably was a terrible guess. Uh in uh All right, he is I'm 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 skipping a few questions to get, I think this one I think this one will start to give you the <laughs> he is one of only 26 players to ever hit for the cycle multiple times in their careers. Oh, no. What? <laughs> this is... An infielder. Yes. An infielder. What? This is really, really hard. Breakout season in 93. Best infield. This is ridiculous. Um, I'm going to feel so stupid at the end of this, I bet. <laughs> Who's the... Uh, I'll tell you a little bit of facts about him. I'm gonna pass on this okay, one you're as well. Pass on this one. Okay. This is really okay. Um, this is a good one. Let's see. As a true freshman, this oh. one's more difficult. This yeah, is just that, gonna make it even more difficult. So yeah. I won't. I won't make you guess after this one. As a true <laughs> freshman in 1987, he hit 414 with five home runs and 20 runs batted in. Go Cougs. As a pitcher, he went 8-2 and two with a 3.0 ERA and was an All-American. 
So he pitched also I, in 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 college. Did I not guess John Olerud? <laughs> you you ruled him out earlier. It is John Olerud. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm an idiot. The last that the last was hint literally I had, my first. That was my first thought. <laughs> And Why the, did you rule him out? I, I didn't understand, remember. but I was trying to keep my face hidden behind the screen. I ruled him out because I thought it was too early. Yeah. That's what I thought. His freshman I, year in college was the year I was born. Dang. He's way older than I realized he was. Yeah, so that's what, because I thought 93 would be too early because I remember watching him play in the 2000s. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. yeah. So, but as soon as you said pitcher, because I knew okay. that he pitched and... And hit in well, so at Wazoo. The only one of these I could have gotten it at the first one. <laughs> <laughs> the Ugh. only one of these that I actually knew was that he he was. I knew that Olerud had hit for the cycle more than once. Okay. So so then when I saw that he was one of only twenty six players to hit for the cycle, I was like, oh cool, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. But uh, that was like the only thing I knew about him. I actually didn't even remember this. Although I sh- I feel ashamed that I didn't remember it. The last hint I had for you is that he wore a batting helmet on the field. Yeah. As a precaution due to an aneurysm that he suffered at age 20. And here we go with the crazy story. Which I'm going to tell you <laughs> after I fix the sound there. Uh, so in this is uh, his... Uh, his freshman season, we talked about his freshman season, right? Yeah. yeah. His freshman season, amazing, 414, four, 8 and 2 as a pitcher. In 88, so his sophomore season, he hit 464 with Jeez. 23 home runs, 81's, 80, 81 RBIs, RSBIs, Jeez. Uh, 108 hits, 204 total bases, and an 876 slugging percentage. Dang. As a pitcher, he was undefeated, 15 and 0, <laughs> with a 249 ERA and 113 strikeouts. He was consensus All American as both a first baseman and a pitcher, oh. and was named the Baseball America College Player of the Year. Dang. Um, who was he drafted to? The Blue Jays. The Blue Jays. Yep. Uh, Dang. And wait, where where did I put this? Okay, so like he oh in 2016 he was named Pac-12 Player of the Century when the conference <laughs> released its All Century Baseball Team. So he's the he's the Pac-12 Baseball Player of the Century. That's insane. Uh, but the crazy, after those first two years, yeah. So it, before the January prior to his junior season, January of 1989, he was running indoors on campus in Pullman, and collapsed. He was hospitalized in Pullman and airlifted to Spokane later that day, where he was diagnosed with a subarachnoid hemorrhage which is bleeding into the spinal column, apparently. Whoa. So he, re- he was in the hospital for two weeks after the seizure, and he lost 15 pounds, but he was back in class by the end of that month. A few weeks after that in Seattle, which is smart, if, you're, if, you, have, if you have medical issues, yeah, go to Seattle and, and talk to the doctors there. A few weeks later in Seattle, further examinations revealed a brain aneurysm, wow. and he underwent surgery in late February. Uh, he returned to action for the Cougs in mid-April. So late February, he had surgery on his brain. Yeah. Mid-April, he got back 
to playing baseball for the Cougs, wow. where he hit 359 with five home runs and 30 RBIs, RSBI, during 78 plate appearances. That's insane. That is amazing. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I knew that he wore a helmet, and I remember hearing that it was because of something that happened before, but I didn't know the whole story behind it. That is... So, also, the part that threw me off with that 1993 thing and me thinking that was too early, I had no idea he was that good. I didn't – That's that was the thing that like, I was reading through these. I was like, I, I liked John Olerud yeah, when he was too. playing, but I had no idea he was that old or that good. Yeah. We, we saw him playing for the Mariners in the twilight of his career. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, both of those things. So, in 90 – so, your first hint – I was like, oh, that could be John Olerud. And then for some stupid reason, <laughs> I said Richie Sexton. It's terrible. But then the next that next hint completely threw me off. Completely, completely. Because I had no idea he was that good, and especially that early. Yeah. But that good was the main thing that threw me off. I was like, John Olerud didn't lead the major or lead, lead the, the American league. league. Yeah, the American League. In batting average and all those things? <laughs> Holy crap. That's amazing. Yeah. I I also thought it was amazing. And I'm glad that you didn't know all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried you'd be like, oh, yeah, John Olerud, he was this great player. Of course I know about him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I still feel dumb because I didn't go with him because he was my initial <laughs> thought. But, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. So that was Stump Daniel, brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz. Some people have called it Damasiwis. Damasiwicks. But no, yeah. That's <laughs> Damashevitz. At work, we call him Shami. Ah, that shortens it. <laughs> All right, we are going to take, uh, yeah, we're going to take another break and be back for highlight of a local athlete coming up next the team of realtors at Oli Penn real estate wish you and your family good health during this stay home stay safe time their team has health and safety measures in place to protect you and everyone involved in the process if you're thinking about selling your home now is a great time there are more buyers than available homes many homes are still receiving multiple offers and are selling for above asking price Oli Penn Real Estate will help you put the most money possible in your pocket in less time without the hassle. Visit sellmyharborhome.com to get your home market ready. The Oli Penn team is ready to work for you. Thank you again to our sponsors, Oli Penn Real Estate and the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz. And now it is time for the Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. And this week we are going back to a historical athlete. And Andrew, this is coming from Aberdeen High School, where you were Go an Bobcats. athlete. You were an athlete there. I was. Um, this this person's a slightly more accomplished than your. That's good. <laughs> we're gonna pick her first athlete of the week. <laughs> so this week it is Deborah Larson. She graduated from Aberdeen in the class of 1984, and I found her on um, one of. SB Live's lists of greatest Grace Harbor athletes for uh, female athletes. Those are cool lists. Those are really cool lists. They have been, I have loved finding those <laughs> and looking through them and learning about different players. I've got a couple of different 
uh, people that I've talked about on this section because of it. So she played basketball and track and field. Um, and they don't have many of her high school stats here, which is kind of a bummer. Like I would really love to learn more about her high school career, but this focuses more on her college um, career. And in, so let's get to it. In 1986, Larson was part of the NCAA Division II national titles in two different sports at Cal Poly Pomona. She was um, the women's basketball Final Four MVP in the Division II ranks and the track and field national heptathlon champion. Larson was the school's first state track. Oh, I think this is going back to her high school days. Yeah, so in high school, she was the school's first track and field state winner, capturing a pair of high jump titles in 1980 and 1982, and the 3A long jump crown in 1982 as well, before accepting a scholarship to compete at USC. So it was her first year with the Trojans at USC that she complete, competed in the first of two U.S. Olympic trials in the heptathlon. Eventually, Larson transferred to Cal Poly Pomona, and she did that because she wanted to play two sports. She was like, yeah, I could keep on with track and field here at USC at a Division One school, but I really love basketball, and I want to go play basketball. So she goes there so she can compete in two sports. And she became one of the one of that university's most decorated multi-sport athletes. Lars, awesome. it's it's really awesome. Uh, she starred on back-to-back Division II title-winning basketball teams in the 1984-85 season and the 1985-86 season, and was the WBCA National Player of the Year, as well as being an All-American as a senior. It's that's just amazing. In track and field, Larson was a six-time All-American as well, winning the National Heptathlon title in 1986. She still holds the Broncos record with 5,827 points, a mark that has stood for 34 years. Wow. She also ranks in the top five in five other events. It's just insane. In 2017, Larson was inducted into the California Collegiate Athletic Association Hall of Fame. So, Deborah Larson, our Ole Penn Real Estate Historical Athlete of the Week, and the class of 84 out of Aberdeen High School. And, man, if you want to look into more highlights and stats, I would love to find out more about, especially in in high school, because it mentioned some of her state championships in, in track and field and stuff like that, but you don't really get into the stats. And I'm saying if if she was the Final Four MVP in Division II women's basketball, seriously, I want to see what her high school stats looked like. I mean, those are just some crazy, crazy accomplishments at the college level. So, again, yeah, Deborah Larson, Ole Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. Congratulations. Yeah, this You've is- had many honors but this is possibly your crowning achievement. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, let's get into some random questions from the mailbag. Oh, son of a gun. Oh. The mailbag. Yes, send the mailbag. Send us stuff. There's Justin. Send us stuff in, in a mailbag. mailbag. So Justin's gone this week on vacation. 
lack of dedication, I say. But anyway, <laughs> he's we, he's apparently spent his entire vacation sending us questions. Yes. I mean, we had his voice in that commercial for Oli Penn Real Estate, <laughs> but also he decided to type just a crap ton of questions in here, <laughs> and we are not going to answer all of them because these are most of them are just stupid. So we can get to these quickly. They're all stupid. They're all stupid. <laughs> he asked, "Would you rather live with no fingers or lose the ability to hear?" That'd be tough. It, it's it's easy. I. Living with no fingers is way more difficult for me to imagine than than living without hearing. Living without hearing would stink, but living without fingers is... You You can't pick anything up. You can't do anything. It would be so difficult to live without fingers. Yeah, so I was thinking about it. When I first read the question, I thought it said live without two fingers. I don't know where I got that. (laughs) And I was like, two fingers? That's nothing. That's easy. Uh, But yeah, no fingers. Um, You would definitely... I mean, it would be, I'm sure other people would be hard, like people who are super into music. Maybe. They might choose but, but the fingers. But at least you could play music with fingers That's and true. no hearing. I mean, wasn't Beethoven death? A deaf? deaf. Yeah. Deaf deaf. at the end? Yes. Okay. So Justin also asks, would you rather only eat bread and water for the rest of your life or never use the internet again? That was more difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sadly... I'm not sure if it's sadly. The internet is so important. So I'm not sure if that's sad that this is a difficult question. Is it good bread? <laughs> that's that's an important point. If, if, if I could have varieties of bread. Yeah. Eh, bread and can we have lemon water? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to go. I would only eat bread and water. Because there are so many amazing kinds of bread. Bread is delicious. I'm going to seize your loophole and jump through with you. <laughs> I'm going to eat a different kind of bread each day of the month. <laughs> I like that plan. All right. He also asked, this one seems like a stupid. Some of the bread is going to be sweet bread. <laughs> we... <laughs> Some is going to have meat in it. Oh, meat bread. <laughs> I like this meat bread. That's a good idea. <laughs> Uh, this seems stupid, but it's actually not the stupidest (laughs) question. Believe it or not. There are more stupid questions that we're not even going to get to, but would you rather be a zombie or a vampire? What kind of zombie and what kind of vampire? Oh, okay. So see, you're making it more interesting because I'm like, why would I want to be a zombie? No, you're right. There's no possible way that you would rather be a zombie. Even if it was like the fast, crazy, climby zombies, you'd still rather be a vampire. Which is in control of your own brain. Kind of vampire is like sparkly and <laughs> and still able to emo. live a life, kind yeah. of. Yeah. yeah, zombies have no like they don't have control of their own facsimiles. Like, yeah, that use that I, word. I don't correctly? know. Copies. In fact, that means copies. So they don't yeah. have they don't have control facilities. Over there, there you go. There yeah, you go. that's the word I was looking for. They don't have control of their own facilities. Like they are brains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So vamp. That's an easy vampire. question. Yep. This one, I think, might be tough for some people, but it's not for me, having um, <laughs> lived one of these situations. Would you rather be in a room with 50 bees for five minutes or 50 spiders for five minutes? This is not even a question. I just assume that there's darn near 50 spiders in every room that yeah. I'm in at all yeah. times, yeah. and they are sneaky and don't come around That's, me. The only reason this even, the only way this ever even becomes 
worth thinking about for a, more than a quarter of a second is if all of a sudden we make rules about what the spiders have to like if are they freaking huge and angry <laughs> maybe i'll think about it but spiders no yeah i i can step on spiders yeah spiders startled me yes they startle the crap out of me like when i'm walking <laughs> when into a room and i'm like ah! but <laughs> they're hanging across the door yeah but i was in a room i had I had many, many bees fly up my pants once when I was <laughs> a kid. So, does that count as a room? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So, story time. Um, we were playing wiffle ball out in the backyard, me and my brother, and um, one of his pitches went into the bushes or a foul ball or something. He's like, go get it, because that was my job as the younger brother by many years to always go get the ball. So, I go walking out in the bushes. And I stepped on a yellow jacket's nest. and Well, that was your first mistake. Yeah. So I stepped <laughs> on it, walked a step past it, leaned over, picked up the ball, stepped on it again on the way back. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and yellow jackets just flooded up my pants. So I go running and screaming out of the bushes, like shedding pants because they're up into my shirt. Like I'm just shirts off. I'm trying to get the pants off, like just running around screaming. My brother has no idea what's going on. So I run into the house and I'm trying to get these my pants off, which have bees in them. And I'm getting stung. You brought up. them into the house? I did. And my sister was not happy about it. So I run into the house and I'll never forget. I, my sister sees what's happening and runs into the bathroom, locks the door, and puts a towel, like, underneath the door. She is like, my brother may be getting murdered by bees right now, but I am not about to be a part of this. So. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so then they were in the, in a room. But you're right, they probably did start out just in my pants. So that might shift it a little bit. But that's why I'm going with the spiders. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going with the spiders and unless you you have to do something to make the spiders extra scary yeah and andrew i feel like this is a stupid easy question for you oh yeah would you rather be able to walk on water or be able to breathe underwater i would do almost anything to be able to breathe underwater i don't care about walking on water <laughs> at all what's the point you can swim through water and breathe it yeah see that's the thing for me this it's a little tougher for me because at first I was like, whoa, walk on water. That means I can't drown in means, the ocean. It means you can run away from sharks. Yeah, but sharks are faster than I can run, I'm assuming. But then that was I was like, so but if I could breathe underwater, then I wouldn't have to worry about drowning either because I could breathe underwater. But then I could still get eaten by a shark under the water. But I could still get eaten by a shark on top of the water. So I think I need to take the whole sharks thing out of it and just go, which would be cooler? And I think it would be breathing underwater. <laughs> All right. You're just going to ignore the sharks? I'm just That's how they get you, Daniel. <laughs> One more here. This is from Sean. And I'm not sure how in the world we would possibly be able to answer this. But he asks, oh, I got one of two questions. Do you want the top one or the bottom one? Yes. Yes. Okay. I want the top one. Okay. What is the best U.S. city? I don't know how to answer this question <laughs> because generally I feel uncomfortable in cities. Yeah. Like I grew up in a small town. I went to college in a small town. I go to Seattle and I get really upset with traffic 
and I get really upset with bad drivers and I get really upset with just the mass of people that are always around me. But Seattle and Portland are the two cities that I've spent the most most time in. And as far as city goes, I really like both of them because they're pretty they're they're both pretty aesthetically pleasing. I feel like they're both beautiful cities. Um I think I've enjoyed more random time just spent walking around a city in Portland than I have in Seattle. Like I've gone down to Pike's place multiple times, but outside of going to a sports games, which those are some of my best memories going to like Mariners games. And the few times we've been able to go to a Seahawks game that those are really exciting to me, but just kind of milling around. I have much more fond memories, just milling around Portland and when I was in New York, I was way too young. L.A., it's hard to define what the city of L.A. is. Like, I love going to the beach down there. That was a lot of fun. But I'm not sure, like, I feel like you've done a ton of road trips in your life. Have you spent time in many more cities? Like, I've driven been, through a lot of cities. I, I'm with you, though. Been I, have a really hard time, I have a really hard time picking, picking a city that I'm like, oh, yeah. This I th- I like this city. Mm-hmm. I I I think it really comes down to like I guess if you're gonna, I would pick maybe Missoula because of where it is. Okay. And I like it, you know half like, the people just went what <laughs> Montana. Yeah, right, and it's which, probably the biggest city saying, in like, Montana, it, right? I, or Bozeman maybe. Yeah. But there's there's like so I would pick it like based on where it is. Okay, but. It, I feel like that's probably not okay because then I'm not really picking the best city. I'm picking the best region and just picking the city in it. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to say that I think that Seattle is the best city. And it's mostly because I know it the best. Okay. But also I think that it has – I can't argue from experience that it has more than some other cities, but it in in general it is way up there as far as the diversity of experience that you can you can have in Seattle. Like there's you can you can be you can be climbing mountains within sight of the city mm-hmm. or you can be eating at places from all over the world with like really good yeah, native food, or um, like the, there's the the whole tech sector is it's it is a major center of it. So I I'll I'll make the argument for Seattle there. <laughs> you know, I like a lot of what you said there, especially just the aesthetics of the city because I'm not sure if you've ever had the chance to go up into the Space Needle. I have. Me as well, twice now actually. Oh, cool. Um. And once when I was a little kid, and it was hard not being scared because, like, the elevator is glass on most yeah, sides, and you yeah, get yeah. a little freaked out. But once you get up there, I mean, the the surrounding area is just amazing. Like, you can see mountains on, what, two or three different sides? Yeah. And the water, like, there are so many different things that all happen in that same area that you don't get in many other spots. Like most, like in LA, you're like, Oh, we got the ocean and up in Seattle. I mean, it's not, I mean, I know it's in the sound, so maybe that's not technically the ocean in your eyes. Like I know it's technically the ocean, it's salt water, mm-hmm. but people are like, Oh, yeah. but, 
but you got the ocean you've got mountains you've got forests you've got rivers like it's all in the same spot and it's to me it's one of the best things about the pacific northwest in general i agree but also seattle as being the largest city there like you get all of that in one spot mm-hmm. like new york doesn't have a mountain it looks over well new york looks over the mountains i think because most of the east coast mountains are a lot lower <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense. That totally makes sense. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for our shortened show today because really what we're finding out about our show is that Justin talks for at least an hour's worth of it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just not quite as full of hot air. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So for our absentee co-host, Justin, you have to choose yourself as the athlete of the week, Damashevitz. And, uh... I don't know. His we didn't write co-host these down. <laughs> and his co-host Daniel. I should have picked Allerud in the first question. Hargrove and Andrew making all of the excuses up front for what turns out to be one of the best stump Daniel questions that he's had. Gross. You've been listening to the scrimmage. <laughs>